When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Congratulations to the Rams, champions of the football world. We've got the awesome, the awful, and the awkward of a Super Sunday that capped off the best postseason the sport has ever seen. No time to waste. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. Here's the snap. Here's the knee. The Bengals will not call a timeout. The sidelines empty. Rings for the Rams. A Lombardi trophy for Los Angeles. Congratulations to L.A. Congratulations to Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald and Sean McVay and that entire group. They went for it. And they got it. A team goes all in and wins a championship. That sounds good to me. And joining me in studio now, the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. We usually had them all season long on Tuesdays. A delight and my appreciation to Dominique Foxworth and Jeff Saturday for coming in on this Super Monday and doing Get Up and sticking around for a little extra time here on the radio. Thank you, fellas. Thanks for having us. Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. (laughs) Well, let's start with that. The three of us are all in agreement on at least one thing, and that, Jeff, is that Aaron Donald... I don't want to make a big deal of this. I don't think it's an outrage that Cooper Cup won or anything like that. I wouldn't go that far. But... There's no question in my mind Aaron Donald should have been the MVP of that game. Absolutely. It was the most dominating performance by defensive line and one player in particular in the Super Bowl. I mean, you you think about what he was capable of doing on the third and three after the interception that Stafford throws over the middle. At third and three, he literally uses a guard to sack uh, you know, to sack the QB. Huge mm-hmm. play, Burrow goes down. Then on the third and one and the fourth and one, you literally watch him again use one arm to shove the guard's butt into the hole to close down <laughs> one gap, keep his own body and his left arm free, then use that same right arm to wrap up a man's waist and throw him backwards. Then he walks over about 10 feet, lines up over the left guard who's going to have help by the, the, the center sliding his way and beats him outside on a fourth and one to get a sack or a pressure, I guess, guess to close the game out absolutely incredible and I think when you talk about major impact plays and situational football look no further than Aaron Donald making those plays absolutely incredible I agree with that uh, Dominique but, but but I always maybe because I found myself rooting so hard for the Bengals as the game went on um, and I, I, I started rooting for them because I had picked them to win and I wanted to be right and then as the game went on I found myself real I maybe just yeah. in the way that you root for the underdog right. But it felt to me like I get they were being manhandled up front. But when that happens, there have to be things you can try to do to change the pace. I I didn't feel like they threw a screen the entire game. I didn't feel like they designed any running plays for Burrow, like an opportunity where, you know, get him out of there and and see if he can run a little bit, show the athletic. One way or another, it felt like they sort of kept dropping back and saying, okay, go ahead, hit the quarterback as hard as you want. Yeah, they were getting rid of the ball really quickly in the first half, and then they tried to hold on to it for a little longer in the second half, and that became a problem. But you're right. There are things like the screen pass. Those are things that you, you have to know that they're anticipating that you should do, but you should still do them and try and see 
see if you can catch him off guard. Screens are great against pressure, more so right. than a good rushing front. So, By pressure, you mean blitzes. I mean blitzes. Yeah. So, right. like, if your team gets pressure with four, a screen isn't all that great, but you hope it'll slow down a D lineman. The thing that I wanted that I said last week and you just brought up is design runs on third down. Because what you saw towards the end of that game was they were getting in wide, wide, wide splits and getting in sprinter stances and just firing off the defensive line, that is, of the Rams. If you run some design quarterback runs, zone reads or even quarterback power, you do that, they have to then uh, think about that. They have to still respect that in that situation. We didn't see any of that either. But it feels unfair to be critical of the Bengals because somehow they were in that game and they didn't deserve to be. They were getting outplayed and they had – they were at a true talent deficit in just about every position that you look at. I know. I, I get it. And you keep saying that. And, and I understand why you say it. Mm-hmm. But the part of it that I disagree with is that I think to some degree we have undersold the Bengals defense through yeah. this run. Yeah. They weren't outmanned on that side. You know, that, that's the same yeah. defense that intercepted Ryan Tannehill three times and that shut Patrick Mahomes basically out starting in the middle of the second quarter on the road in the AFC Championship game and had them right in that game yesterday. That defense is legit, and they keep them in it, and the offense makes just enough plays, and Burrow makes just enough plays, and the kicker makes a bunch of big kicks, yeah. and that's how they got there in the first place. Absolutely. We, we, we talked about, the, you know, last, last week we talked about who was going to be the X Factor. We talked about their kicker, McPherson being that guy, right, because he had scored the majority of their points. He was going into the Super Bowl. He was a leading 40-point score. I mean, it was insanity, right? But when you think about – the script of what the Bengals were trying to do, they did try to get Mixon involved in the passing game by by dump-offs, but the, the Rams answered him, and they tackled extremely well. There's things that you, you say to yourself as a play caller, and, and, and when, if you've ever called plays, you've ever been a head coach, when you're in the rhythm of a game, you don't want to make a bunch of changes if you feel like you're in it. They go up, and then they get an interception, add on a field goal. They feel pretty good about it. You, you don't necessarily want to say, okay, now all of a sudden, because to Fox's point, they're not getting a bunch of edge pressure. Burrow does run for that first down when he pulls it down and tucks it because the, the pass rush went too far wide but give the Rams credit they did a nice job of of lane integrity and they were pushing the internal portion of that pocket as well so it's not as easy as you think to just go I'm going to score it out because Burrow tried to a few times and he got wedged in I mean it was it was listen the Rams play good on defense at a certain point the schemes go by the wayside that's right and you need players to make plays and Trey Hendrickson is the guy that you want to cause the big sack fumble or do something right there. Yep. We need Bates to come up with an interception. Their guys didn't do it, and Aaron Donald did. Yeah. Like, that's what it comes down to me. Like, obviously, Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup made some important plays, but there were opportunities there um, where you expect your guys to step up. And I don't expect them to step up, but if you're going to win, you need it there. Tyler Boyd had his first drop of the year. Yeah. Yep. That key situation. Third Those nine. are situations. Earlier in the game, Joe Burrow misses an open receiver on fourth and one. Like, yep. Those are the plays when you are in these kind of tight games week in and week out. Those are the plays that the Bengals needed yesterday, and they've got them in the past. They didn't get them yesterday. And I actually liked – when you go to like, like – there was like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. I actually liked Zach Taylor. He, he ran it twice, and they converted a first, first down. They run it two more times, and then you have the boy drop. 
I mean, listen, if you're going to win a football game against a team that you feel like is probably a little better than you, that's the way to do it. He didn't, yeah. he didn't get outside of himself, throw it three times, keep a short clock for their own. Like, he did things correctly. They just got outplayed individually. The Boyd drop is a huge, huge moment in the game. And there's another one. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. The fourth down... That the Rams convert on the handoff, the end around yeah. to Cooper Cup. Yeah. I mean, that's a risky. If he gets yeah. tackled in the backfield there, they're on their own 30-yard line. The Bengals, at minimum, are going to kick a field goal and have a full seven-point lead. If they go in and score a touchdown, they're going to win the Super Bowl. That's a yeah. heck of a play. I mean, the jet sweep right there is Ooh. a gutsy call. Jet how, is that, yeah, that's a better yeah. call. How, yeah. how often do you hear a commentator complain about them running the ball laterally on fourth and short situations. Exactly. Like that's all you hear. And that's exactly what they did because they know that we're going to take away this interior. We're not going to let you sneak. We're not going to let you run it right here. So you give it to your best player on the edge and hope he can make a player miss and get that one yard. It works for the Rams and it didn't work for the Bengals going the other way again, because Aaron Donald is strong enough to take one arm and hold a offensive lineman off and use the other arm to stop a full grown man who's running full speed straight ahead stop him cold yeah. and pull him back the, 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 again the, it comes down to the players absolutely can the i jet, ask a question about yes. that if that full-grown man was named joe mixon instead of samaj p ryan is that play the same yeah same it's listen it, it, he closed the gap i mean i yeah. go back and watch like he literally used a 330 pound man's body and full body and closed and crushed a hole i don't care who you are you can't run through 330 there has to be some kind of gap there and it forced him to go into his other arm this is what happens nine on seven short yardage and goal line we do this every week as offensive defensive linemen right this is like grin and bear this, you're putting your hand in the dirt we're getting nasty the d line i mean the the defensive backs oh, yeah. and receivers they go play low you know they play we do one-on-ones yeah, yeah. during that it's time. It's all pretty. Yeah. This is when real football gets played, right? When guys like that can, can, can control the line of scrimmage, it's unheard of. And yeah. that he has the ability to not only do it that way in the run – but after that third and one, to be have enough energy and, and ability to go over to the other side, put his other hand down, and beat the other guy. I mean, Can you it's imagine like, being no. a, a guard for the Rams oh my every, God. every day, 9 on 7, you got to no. do that against no. Aaron Donald? Like, no, thank you. No, no, like, no. Greeny, I, I get the point that you keep trying to make. And even I agree with um, Jeff that it probably wouldn't have made a difference, but I'll give it to you. Let's say it makes a difference. But you don't do that in that situation. You run this personnel group is the personnel grouping that they run all the time in their two-minute drill. Yeah. You don't get to the Super Bowl and get cute. No. Like, you get criticized for that, too. You put somebody out there who's not used to, even if it's Joe Mixon, who's not used to doing those things in that situation. He's not like, used to what? To running the ball on third No, I just one? mean no, that. No, 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 it's the play what, scripts. What makes you think in that moment that I'm going to abandon what we've done so far? This has gotten us here. We came back and won against several teams in the playoffs, and before the playoffs, against good teams. This is what's gotten us here. Their biggest play in the second half against uh, against the Chiefs was P. Ryan catching a ball and going down the sideline. Like, it's the court, the head coach has so many things on his mind. You expect him to, in that moment, be like, eh, you know what? I'm not feeling P. Ryan, even though he won the game for us last week. Right. I'm going to go with Joe Mixon right now. It just seems unrealistic to have that expectation. Yes. Well, the flip side of that is I feel like when the game, when the Super Bowl is being decided, I want my best player on the field. Yeah. And, and, and Jamar Chase, I guess, is their best offensive player, but yeah. Joe Mixon is right there, and he was running the ball effectively. I don't right. know. One way 
another. There's one other thing I want to get to with you guys, and I'm going to make this Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. A Monday Dan, of whom you got your first taste today, mutually. And it's, he's quite a he's quite a character. Uh, he's putting everybody in the Hall of Fame today. Everybody's going to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he did, it was quick. You get a bus. You get a bus. You get it. Everybody's getting one. He did put Matt Stafford in the Hall of Fame today. But but I he did make a, a cautionary comparison with Joe Burrow that I thought was a pretty good one. He said, they better watch out in Cincinnati or Joe Burrow is going to be the next Andrew Luck. And I hadn't thought of it that way, Jeff. But when he said that, what did you think? Captain Obvious. Like, we've been screaming oh. it, right? Like, I mean, Have like, you been saying luck, though? Did you make no, no, that I didn't, comparison I didn't, yeah, directly? I didn't, I didn't use no. luck because there's been many quarterbacks, right? We, he talked about Derek Carlin. There's been a ton of quarterbacks in the NFL, first round, you know, first first picks in the draft to go to bad teams and just get obliterated. And when you think about what has happened here, I, I said this a million times this season, this guy came off a devastating ACL injury last year, right. only played half the season. Comes back this year and is the most sacked and pressured quarterback in the NFL. His ability to keep his eyes downfield and make plays, I have never seen something more impressive from a young quarterback than his ability to move forward to the next play. I've said it a million times. If that's Aaron Rodgers, if that's Peyton Manning, they are throwing Gatorade coolers over. Somebody is somebody's getting fired. Coaches, something is happening because you are not going to put your most important asset at that much risk, and they just continue to do it. Well, it's clear what they're going to be doing this offseason. Amen. If they care about their jobs, if they care about winning the Super Bowl, if they care about Joe Burrow, if they care about the city of Cincinnati, if they care about football, (laughs) if they care about anything. Get offensive linemen. Yeah. Like, you need to use several picks in the draft, and it doesn't have to be first round necessarily, but you need to throw a lot of resources at the offensive line. You need to bring in as many capable free agents as you can and start practicing, get you – maybe you need – I don't – I can't speak to how well coached they are, but I can speak to how poor the performance is. You bring in extra coaches if you need, whatever. I know that um, Paul Brown or the Bengals organization is not considered one that spends a lot of money. Mike Brown. Mike Brown. Yeah, I was thinking Paul Brown, his legendary father. father, yeah. Yeah, but Mike Brown, take all of your money, throw it at the offensive line – Figure it out. Get a coach per position. I don't care what you got to do. Protect this man. Straight talk. Wireless. No contract. No compromise. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you very much for hanging around today, for doing our, our Super Bowl show, and then sticking around for here. A greenie, I'm reminding you that according to research, 90% of employers plan to enhance their employee experience this year. And if you need to add more employees, there's Zip Recruiter. Zip Recruiter's technology finds qualified candidates for your job, and you can invite your top choices to apply. Try Zip Recruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com. Dot com slash greeny coming up my takes will include the one way the Bengals blew it on Super Sunday that is next this is greeny on ESPN radio greeny the podcast for the ones who get it done Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer call clickgranger.com or just stop by This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza the number 1 pick in Detroit style pizza why it's simple Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greenies Takes. All right, it's time for my takes, uh, and I will give you my five biggest takeaways from Super Bowl 56 yesterday, and I will not do it alone. We have the assembled members of the hashtag crew with us here today, present and accounted for our hashtag Hembo. What a game, huh? What a game. What's going on, hashtag Nuno? Not much, Greeny. Not, not much. much. Not much. And Bubba, did you watch the Super Bowl yesterday? I'm just curious. That was last night? That was, yeah, it was yesterday. <laughs> oh, God. The tendency that, to miss these this things. This extra week killed me. <laughs> he got, threw them off. He was watching for the game last Sunday and wondering why. <laughs> That's why I was so there. confused. All right, we'll get your thoughts on my five biggest takeaways, and then we will get yours. Number five. What is the name of the idiot who ran in the end zone for Cincinnati? Uh, that that is not getting enough attention. Okay, the Bengals need everything to go their way to win. That's how they kept on winning. And when they make that pick with two minutes left in the half, they have the chance for the best thing you can have as a team when you are getting the kickoff to start the second half. Belichick has made a career out of doing this. You get that late score at the end of the first half, then you turn around, you score again in the second half. It changes the entire game. They're going to get the ball off a touchback. It is going to be two minutes. They're going to have an opportunity and a quick two-minute offense. And instead, this idiotic penalty that's one of the worst penalties i've ever seen this guy runs into the end zone wearing a pair of slides and trying to keep his phone from falling out of the pocket of his shorts it runs into the end zone and winds up getting a 15-yard penalty which completely changes the dynamic of that situation now the bengals are just trying to run the clock out for dear life they don't even think about trying to score they wind up punting the rams have a chance they don't wind up scoring so people might look at that and say oh well no harm the rams didn't score bull feathers that is a a, a major circumstance there the bengals have a chance to try and put together a drive there i, I think that play is not getting enough attention I, people are just paying attention to how stupid it is and not enough attention to how potentially costly it was, Hembo. Yeah, I mean, the player's name was Vernon Hargraves, who I didn't even not, I did not know he was on the Bengals. He was traded there midseason, I researched this morning. It's not like this is Boomer Esiason that's a you know, legacy player for the franchise. Right. I mean, this is just some rando. And, and in what world is that okay? Like, if that happens in the preseason, you get stomped on. Like, it's the Super Bowl, dude. I, I, I'm with you. It was unimaginably stupid. Nuno, I mean, what, what, what should one say about that? <laughs> Uh, he's probably going to be unemployed for a bit now. I mean, that's just the worst. That's just the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> All right, my takes. Number four. If Odell doesn't get hurt, the Rams win that game by three touchdowns. The Odell injury changes the game completely. Now, I picked the Bengals to win, and so I started out the game rooting for them for that reason. And then as the game went on, I found myself rooting for them like crazy. I just got into the story and whatever. But... I turned to I had my nephew and my wife with me watching the game yesterday. I said, Odell is going to tear this game up. And, and it doesn't take a genius to see that, right? He was on his way to a monster day. And then when he grabs that knee, it changes the entire game. All of a sudden, they're doubling Cup the rest of the day. The Cup has basically is no factor until the last drive of the game. Uh, they wind up with Skoranek out there. I know everything about Ben Skoranek because he started his career at Northwestern, was a very good player for us for several years. Then he transferred for his final year to Notre Dame. So whenever they talk about him on TV, you hear them say he's from Notre Dame. But he played most of his collegiate ball at Northwestern and was very good. He's a big physical receiver. But he ain't Odell Beckham. Mm. That's for darn sure. So I, I think 
Do you agree with me that Odell was on his way to a huge day and it would have made the task for the Bengals' defense bordering on impossible? I think so. I mean, that, He got hurt on the fifth drive of the game for them. They scored a touchdown on two of their first four, and they, they had averaged seven yards a play. We're talking about prolific offense at that time, and if the, the Rams would have wound up losing that game, I think we would have looked back on that moment as perhaps the biggest reason why. What, what did you think of that, Bubba? Your thoughts on Odell getting injured in the way he did and in the moment he did. Oh, I mean, it was just just brutal to watch. And I know I agree with you. He was coming off his best game as a Ram already. It really seems like he was finally being the player that everyone expected him to be for the last couple of years. And he was well on his way to having his, a, a great game, and it was just brutal to see him get hurt. By the way, it was crazy that, that his touchdown yesterday tied his total from his career in Cleveland. He scored seven with the, with the Rams and seven in his entire tenure with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, wow. and he's a free agent this offseason, too, so that's brutal. Number three. Uh, the Bengals cannot complain about the officiating, and the Cincinnati fan cannot complain today about the officiating because the touchdown that you score on the first play of the second half is blatant. I mean, I don't even know what to say. T. Higgins literally grabbed uh, – you don't need me to tell you what he did. He grabs Jalen Ramsey's face mask and turns him around and catches a 75-yard touchdown, and somehow that's not called. So – I cannot sit here and complain about the officiating if I'm the Bengals. But the phantom call on that third down, down near the goal line on that last drive that gives them a fresh set of downs after they hadn't called anything in the game is a monster play. And it's a terrible call. Terrible. The holding in the end zone right before the touchdown that puts it on the one, that's a good call. That was Eli Apple holding Cooper Cup. I have no problem with that. They called it interference, I think, because the ball was in the air. But, but th- th- that is a good call. But that third down play, it is going to be fourth down. They are going, if they get one more defensive stop there, then the Rams are going to have to use all their timeouts. I mean, the Bengals are, at that point, I don't know what the analytics would tell you, they're going to be in like the 70 80% range of winning the Super Bowl mm-hmm. if that call is not made, and it was a terrible call. What's curious about it, too is that I was texting with friends throughout the game. We, we were refreshed at how clean the game was. Like, they were just letting them play football, which you never get to see in the NFL now. And then at the worst possible time, I mean, they could call that play on literally any pass play in the game. I'm with you. I, I, if I were a Bengals fan, I would be devastated by that call. I think the, one, the subsequent ones were, were, were right. But based upon the way that they were calling the game, that was the wrong call. Do you call. agree with my framing of it, though, that you really can't blame the officiating because you got away with one that was even worse. For sure, but it happening that late in the game, in that moment, it still wouldn't make me feel any better. All right, fair enough. Now, Number two. Next up is Cooper Cup. He put the finishing touches yesterday on one of the greatest seasons ever. And our friend Field Yates posted these numbers on Twitter. He played 21 games, so it's one more game than anyone has ever had a chance to play. But still, here are his final numbers. 178 catches. For 2,425 yards and 22 touchdowns. He led the NFL. He won the receiving triple crown. So catches, yards, and touchdowns. He was a unanimous All-Pro. He caught more balls in the postseason than any player ever in any single postseason with 33. He was named the NFL's Offensive Player of the Year and the Super Bowl MVP. That's the greatest season any receiver has ever had, right? For sure. I mean, Jerry Rice has had uh, was Super Bowl MVP, but... That's the best season when you put it all together ever. You mentioned that he obviously had one more game than anyone else did, but let's keep in mind that that total 2,400 some odd yards is 448 more yards than any player had ever had before. No one had even had 2,000 
in a single season, including the playoffs, and he had 400-some-odd y- yards more than that. I'm thinking about Rice because Rice would have played one less regular season game and frequently one less playoff game. Right. right? He would have had buys and all that kind of stuff. So he would have probably played most of his Super Bowl years. They would have played 19 games and Cup played 21. But even so, Rice's highest single season total, including the playoffs, was 1965. We're not, that's not close to Cooper. He's 500 Cup. yards behind yes, him almost. Even on a per-game basis, he's not there. So Cup was spectacular, but... Number one. I can't believe Aaron Donald didn't win the MVP. They love giving the MVP to defensive players. <laughs> they love it. Look back over the history of defense. I mean, when the Bears won the Super Bowl, they gave the MVP to Hampton and Dent, right? Did they split it or did Dent Stand win by. it? I forget who won it that year, but they definitely gave it to Dent, and I can't remember. There was one year they shared it. One, of, one year maybe the Cowboys won it. They gave it to two defenders. They live to give the MVP of the Super Bowl to defensive players when they can. How in the world is Aaron Donald not the most valuable player on that field yesterday? I don't get it. Who won the MVP when the Bears won Super Bowl twenty? That was Dent, and he won it by himself. Just Dent. Okay, mm-hmm. fair So they give Dent the MVP that year. And you could have given it to anybody. You could have given it to the entire defense if you wanted to. <laughs> I know Ray Lewis was the MVP of a Super Bowl. I, 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 they love it. How could you be more valuable in a game than... Aaron Donald was yesterday. I mean, again, I'm not going to sit here and say it's an outrage. I mean, Cup certainly is a reasonable choice. He was all over the field on that last drive. But prior to that, I thought the story of the game was how they had kind of taken Cup away, right? Ever since Odell went out, I thought that was kind of a big deal. So I am, I am, um, I'm surprised one way or another they didn't give him the MVP, and I thought he should have been. Those are my takes. Coming out of Super Bowl 56, let us now get those from the hashtag crew, the What's On Your Mind, which is brought to you by My Computer Career, Training for a Better Life. Hembo, what was your number one take coming out of Super Bowl 56? I'm the only person in the world that could have watched that game, and my biggest takeaway has to do with baseball, but I'm going to give it a try, okay? Okay, go. <laughs> the game started at 6.30, 6.34 to be exact. Is when the game kicked off. Here on the East Coast. PM Eastern Time. Mm-hmm. The game ended at 10 o'clock on the East Coast, meaning I got to watch the whole thing. I never get to watch any of the World Series games front to back, and I guess this also applies to the NBA. But look, if the, if the number one event on the sporting calendar, the Super Bowl, is going to start at 6.30, well, perhaps the other leagues should take note. It's a really interesting point because the Super Bowl has become a family event, and so they obviously program it that way. So you can't say, well, they'd get a bigger audience if they showed it in prime time the way they do with the other championship-level sports because the Super Bowl always has the biggest audience of the year. But if the argument you're making is, if you put all World Series weekend games into an earlier time slot, would more people watch them? I have long believed the answer is yes. And if not, what little you lose in it is an investment in your future because young people get to watch it. School-aged children got to watch that game yesterday. So I thoroughly agree with you. Thoroughly agree. And it has been one of my campaign planks forever that all weekend postseason baseball games should be played, should start when the sun is still out. Mm. Start the game when the sun is still up. Start at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. So it wouldn't be 6 o'clock, I guess, um, if, uh, in, in, in October. But whatever. 
Start the game earlier. I'm 100% on your side. All right, that is your takeaway. Hashtag Nuno, what is your number one takeaway from Super Bowl 56? I'm going to keep it a little light. First of all, Hembo, uh, baseball, what's that? No one knows what baseball is anymore. <laughs> uh, I love The Rock. I think he's very entertaining. But, like, if you're going to rock red, shouldn't it match, like... I don't know what was that. I know it was LA and and everything else, but I did not like just I could have done without that. Everything about The Rock's appearance I don't just mean the way he looked, but like his, the entire appearance of him there, like the, the fact that he was there doing that was off, right? Like I'm not sure what the thinking was in the first place. Someone actually texted me, "The Rock needed a gig." I mean, I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't I've never seen that. Like, I get it, Michael Buffer, you know, let's get ready to run. But I don't get that. Yes, what he was wearing, it was like red and purple and no belt. Like, I agree with you. And also, just the way he's built now, he looks like someone playing The Rock in a movie, doesn't he? Like, it's so, I mean, it's, look, I like The Rock. I'm a fan. Like, every, I'm maybe not nearly as much as a lot of other people are, but I, I certainly like as opposed to disliking The Rock. I shared your feelings that it was a bit unusual and a bit much. From the Rock yesterday. Uh, hashtag Bubba, what was your primary takeaway from Super Bowl 56? Uh, two quick things for me. One, it's just, it continues, continues just to be incredibly frustrating from a Cowboys angle to see these teams, to see what the Rams did, and just see them go all in, and just to see it work, and then to see to take someone like Jerry Jones and to hear him constantly say, oh, I want to win, I need to win, I'm getting older, and you just see these teams with the blueprint. Look, if you want to go all in, go all in. This is what you got to do, and just... They just don't do it, and it's continuing to be frustrating. We've got Mike McCarthy coming back. It's just killing us. Whatever. That's side uh, thing. Hold on, hold on. Before you do that, last night at like 10.09, the Cowboys Twitter account tweets out, shifting the mindset, shifting the outcome. The work starts now. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, there you go. God. Yeah, I mean. You, you know, that you should see, be the missing piece. Yeah, you see these teams <laughs> go all in, and, and you know, it's frustrating. <laughs> but I, I think, to me, I think spinning it forward, I, we all agree. I'm with you. Aaron Donald should be the MVP. It was insane. But I think we're all going to be looking back at him. I think the the true football people understand how great Aaron Donald is, but I honestly think he's going to go down as one of the most underappreciated football players of all time. If you actually look at what he did, he's only been in the NFL for eight years. He was the rookie of the year, first year defensive player. Then he was seven straight first team all pros, Mm -hmm. eight Pro Bowls. He averages 12 plus sacks a year. The guy is literally unbelievable. And I, I think he's just not really well known outside of the true like you know, in the football universe, and he's just—he may retire after this year. And I don't think we really appreciate what we saw for these eight years. The guy is unbelievable, and he's—he might be gone. And I, yeah, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I, I think people don't really understand how good and how dominant this guy truly was for these eight years. I agree with you. I, I think in, we're, I'm starting to get some sentiment from the football people you're talking about, including Monday Dan today, who said we have to start talking about Aaron Donald amongst the greatest defensive players of all time. Now, I think most people's default answer to who was the greatest defensive player of all time is LT, right? I I believe he's the greatest. He is considered by the most people to be the greatest defensive player of all time. Other people that you could put in that discussion, some might say Reggie White, some might say Dick Butkus. You know, I think LT is the guy. I think Aaron Donald is on that on that level now i think we're talking about him with lawrence taylor and reggie white and dick butkus and whoever else you want to put in the discussion with the greatest defensive players that ever lived so that's well taken that is a point well made uh, by the members of the hashtag crew as we continue 
a person who is tracking for the Hall of Fame that isn't being talked about nearly enough. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. There are going to be several of them here, and I'm going to ask them to the assembled members of the hashtag crew, and then I will tell them whether they got the answer right or not. Let's start with hashtag Hembo. Sean McVay. Is he headed for the Pro Football Hall of Fame? <laughs> yes. The answer to that question is yes. He's like four years younger than a starting left tackle. He just coached in his second Super Bowl as a head coach. Won one of them. I mean, who are the best active coaches? I'm mean, obviously Belichick, probably Andy Reid. Neither Mike Tomlin. The, neither, neither Belichick nor Reid even coach in the playoffs in their 30s. Like, we're talking about someone who is a prodigy, who's already accomplished a lot, and I think parenthetically has created an environment where veterans want to go play for him. Like, that's a very useful thing when Odell goes and Von Miller goes, and obviously Matthew Stafford was traded. If it becomes sort of a destination to go out there to LA, like, that puts them in a really good position every year. He's, he's not even come close to having a losing season. He's as good as anybody in the league, and he's 36 years old. I wanted to say that again. He's 36 <laughs> years old. That's pretty remarkable when you think about it. And from the second he got there, they got good. I mean, he inherited an interesting situation. I think his ability to get a team to the Super Bowl quarterbacked by Jared Goff mm. looks very different in Remarkable. the light of day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, Goff was the first pick in the draft, so it shouldn't have been – he shouldn't have been what he is, but he is what he is. And I think McVay, that whole thing looks better than it did then too. Yesterday, he became the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl. And it was the second Super Bowl he coached, and he coached three years ago. He's doing things that no coach has ever done. I mean, this is the start of an all-time great career. The next question is for you, Nuno. Is Matthew Stafford in the Hall of Fame based on this season and this game? I I don't think so. I, I do believe, and I know there's this Matthew Stafford love, but, like, he was He's a compiler, right? He put up a lot of stats because on a really bad team or within a bad organization based upon the fact that they were down so much. Like, this was the first time we saw him, you know, carry – not carry a team, but elevate a team, right? And, and maybe I'm a little biased because there's so many people that d- – that are just destroy Eli Manning and say that he's not a Hall of Famer. So my belief is if you're telling me Eli isn't a Hall of Famer, there's no way in hell that Matthew Stafford deserves to be in the Hall of Famer. I understand your point. It's well taken. Eli Manning is unquestionably going to be in the Hall of Fame. But I will say this. I mean, Matthew Stafford, his career regular season record is 86-95-1. So he's nine games under 500. He has... Huge passing numbers, but to your point, most of them were relatively empty. And he's now got the one Super Bowl under his belt for which he was not named the MVP. So I didn't want to slow down Dan Orlovsky's role today. That's his boy, and he couldn't be more excited for him. And Dan took a red eye in to be on our show this morning. I couldn't appreciate it more. He started the show by saying Matthew Stafford's in the Hall of Fame now. I'm not going to sit there and disagree with him in that moment, but I do. 
Now, do I think Stafford can make it to the Hall of Fame? Yes, because I think if he has another year that even approaches this one, I don't even know that he has to win the Super Bowl. But if he has another really big year in which his team wins a lot of games, let's say they make it to the NFC Championship, and this doesn't become just a one-year total outlier, then I think it cements kind of in the way Brady cemented that it wasn't just Belichick when he went to Tampa. This cements it was just the Lions. Like, they're not elevatable. It wasn't that he wasn't good enough to elevate them. It was that no one could have. So I think he does eventually get in the Hall of Fame, but I don't think he does it just on this year. By the way, you might know this, you might not. There are two quarterbacks in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that have losing records. I think Namath is one of them, Namath right? is one of them, 62, 63, and 4. Do you off the top of your head know the other? Is it Sonny Jurgensen? Yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, I'm very good at that. Wow. I, I'm very smart, mm. and I know a lot about football. Uh, Bubba, let me come to you on our next question. Can you believe, well, you already answered this, so I'll, jump, I'll go to the next one. Are the Cincinnati schools to blame for the Bengals losing? Uh, I, I, we talked about this last week. The Bengals, excuse me, the city of Cincinnati canceled school two weeks ago on this day in the hope that they would be celebrating a Super Bowl win. Now these kids are sitting home miserable that they had to watch this painful loss. But, of course, we talked about it from a superstitious standpoint. Are the Cincinnati public schools to blame for this heartbreaking defeat? I mean, absolutely. I, yeah. I hope the superintendent's really proud of himself right now because, I mean, what a just an absurd decision. It makes absolutely no sense. As we clearly can tell from all the years, you can make a decision morning of with snow days. Right. So all you have to do with one minute is let them know, hey, the Bengals won. No school today. And, and plus, you can make it like a celebration. You don't have to tease people and be like, oh, the Bengals won no school today. Why announce it two weeks in advance? It makes absolutely no sense. And like you said, all it is is going to be a letdown. What are the kids doing today? They're just sitting at home hating life. I mean, it's they ruined it. It's their fault. It's not the offensive line fault. It's not it's not, it's not Zach, it's the Cincinnati Public Schools fault. I, I'm with you. I, I think there's literally no other blame. 30 seconds. I, I am you're gonna make fun of me when I say this, but I believe stupid things like this. Like I believe in all this superstitious stuff. So, I mean, do I? the answer to the question, are the public schools to blame for their losing the Super Bowl, is yes. It absolutely is yes. You have created another karmic obstacle that they were not able to overcome. Let me continue in a moment, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.